With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. we've been to over all of the years because we could see the explosion that's about to happen in a good way. Not that blow you out, but that but that blow you up kind of explosion. And to be there with all the different ministries that came together and then to have of course chief apostles, chief prophet, prophet idea, everybody doing their thing blowing it out of the water, everybody's walking around stunned. They've been Dr. Price. And uh, Apostle Nona, she posted a text about how it's over, but it's not over. It's over, but it's still gone, or something like that. The conference itself has closed out, but this is just the beginning of what is being started. So you don't want to miss it. The next time we come together, we'll be in November here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for our NEAR Summit. A New Era Apostleship Restitution Summit in Tulsa. It is not just for apostles. So let me start out by saying that. Just like the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute is not just for prophets, the Apostolic Summit is not just for apostles. It is for anybody's life who is connected to an apostle. If you want to know what to do with apostles, if you are an apostle and you don't know what to do with yourself, this is the event to come to. Bring your people. Uh, we had the gay church from Kentucky was in Joliet, and this time they brought their people with them, not just their leaders. And I tell you what, when you bring those with you into the environment, let us do the work for you. They hear the teachings, you don't have to go back and try and explain it. Come on, all you can do is try after you hear something like this. They get the impartation, they get the prayer, they get the baptism with the group while they're here. So everybody goes back on fire with the same fire from where you came from, which this time will be in Tulsa. And then Dr. Price threw it out there. We're recording a worship album at the summit. So that'll be Saturday. That'll be Saturday evening is when we'll do that. So this is going to be the show. But now it's a recording. <laughs> and so 
our live recording. Don't you pray we'll be singing? Because you know, she's a hurt song. Hello. And so she's going to be up there. The, the uh, music minister, the keyboard, and she said, oh, I had no idea you could sing Dr. Price. So you don't sing. You sing. Okay. And when you have musicians who have moved in multiple spheres of music, they can recognize not just anointing, but talent. Yeah. And so we will be doing that and working um, to pull that together. This is going to be really exciting. This is a, a, a dream and a vision that's a long time coming. And one of the things Dr. Price taught us is just because you have the talent to do something doesn't mean it should be done in that season. And so we've had talent for years, but the readiness has to be there. The readiness to sustain the success of what we produce has to be in each and every one of us. I mean, she had to teach on the soul for like 10 years to get it ready. Yeah. <laughs> and so the soul has been developed, and uh, we're good to go. We're going to be moving forward with that. Uh, I'll see if my praise team is watching this before Sunday because then they'll find out the information right here. So you were not on the road. Okay, so be here in November. Oh, what are the dates? The 21st to the 23rd is the Wednesday through Saturday before Thanksgiving is where we are. It will be in the same hotel, the Warm Place Double Tree. Okay, it will be the Warm Place Double Tree Hotel. And we have our dignitary center on Wednesday night. This year, the dignitary center will be in the hotel. Everything, we like how that works. So everything is going to be in one location. And then we roll into the summit and then closing out, uh, set, not Saturday, no, Saturday, Friday night. Friday night is the concert because we're still in the hotel. Friday night. It's Friday. We'll be in the morning. Not Saturday. Friday. Saturday will be recovering all. <laughs>
because you have to build people up, frame it up, shape it up. When you are introducing something new, you can't just jump in at the finish line, the punchline, because people don't get it because it is new. So you'll hear overlap. You'll hear things that hear things that over and over and over again. Why? Because we are crafting this in you, forming this in us, not just you, in us, because it has to be formed in us too. When Dr. Price was teaching on the heart reset, she said to us as leaders, please don't think that the heart reset is going to pass you by. Because you're saying amen, and you're in my church, and you're in my leadership team. I think the heart reset has been harder as leaders because, well, we are the master template that others will follow. And so you have to make sure that all of the old, I continue to be surprised sometimes at the things of the old moves that are still in me. I was raised in it. I grew up in it. There are things that I haven't even thought of in years that when certain things pop up, I'm like, oh, wow, where did that come from? Look, and I've been here 19 years with Dr. Price. So within your foundation, sometimes your foundation goes deep, 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 deep. So it's not enough to say amen and I agree, so that means I'm converted. As we've learned and we've heard, uh, Peter was with Jesus. He still had to tell him, but he's not converted, huh? And he was the loudest shouting one. Sometimes we have to start with the loudest one. Dot, dot, dot. Okay. So how to create economy using the word? She came from Matthew 621, and she said, everybody who handles God's words with faith and wisdom makes money. Proverbs 8 is the wisdom chapter in the Bible. And she said that everybody who handles God's words with faith and wisdom makes money. That's why you can have unsaved, unrighteous people still working the principles of God, be very wealthy. This is how we get messed up in the body of Christ, because we think that because they have, then because they're big, that they're actually converted by what they're using. But they're just using it. Principles, you know, if you go to a book, pick up so-and-so, this and this and what's that, and I'm going to learn about leadership, I'm going to learn, are you actually converting? Now, most people are not converting. First of all, it's hard to be converted by just one book. Well, let's pour some of the word of God, which is the compilation of many. <laughs> so that's actually not one. <laughs> it's a compendium. And you you don't just pick up, I'm just going to get so-and-so's money book, read that, and boom, I'm going to be rich tomorrow. This is why people are deluded. This is why they're upset. This is why they're frustrated, because we sell this gospel. If you just say it, it is so. And that's not true. So she talked about that. She said, if you are not making money, you have to understand that it is because you don't believe in the word. Only unbelief makes you cash poor. <laughs> that hit us hard in the studio today. That hit me hard when I was going over these notes. <laughs> okay. Woo! Mm. Yes, I remember years ago, Dr. Price prophesied to me at this point, probably about 15 years ago, she said, if you're ever without money, it's not because there's something wrong with your covenant with God, because I have a covenant of prosperity. The issue is you aren't doing something you're supposed to be doing, or you're not getting a point that the Lord is trying to make. And I want you to know that's been true from every day until now, and I'm sure in my future. When my money is funny, especially for an extended period of time, then I know, all right, what do I need to obey God on the way? That's usually what it comes down to, even with us as an organization. When things get funny in that financial realm, what are we not giving up? 
is we can war, and sometimes it is uh, demonic opposition, but extended trials and periods, we have tend to notice, oh, let's go back to that list of outstanding obedience. It's not outstanding like, yay, you are good, outstanding like, it's standing out there. <laughs> and you need to bring it in here. It's standing out of where you are. You have to bring it in. She said, dealing with soul misery, she said, one must make themselves spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and intellectually appealing to others. If you are off in the head, you're not going to get them. All right? If you are emotionally a mess, that kind of stuff sells on television. That's like drama that you tune in to watch, the, the big, uh, brilliant doctor who's really a hot mess in the background, the fixer who can't keep her personal life together. And we use it as, oh, see, they're just doing too. No, that's a trip. And they get paid a lot of money to pretend to be dysfunctional. <laughs> they're, well, some of them are pretending, but they're still reading somebody else's script. They are getting paid to seduce us into the belief system that that's how it should really be, and this is what you should attain. And so when you try and do that, it doesn't work. You wonder why. Okay, she said, see, the rule in higher circles is your testimony is nothing until you make something of it. Anybody else feel a little pinch? Just a little pinch? Uh, nobody wants to hear your sad, sob story until you are a success. You know, people want to hear about how much work I put into becoming an apostle now because I was commissioned. But on the journey, who cares how much time you put in? Well, there is that. <laughs> okay, so we had to start with I actually want. I'm being possible. We're so glad you made it because you really didn't think you should have been there. Okay. Hey, you know what? But nobody cares about all those hours of homework and staying up late at night and having to do this and do that and travel and sit in the hotel lobby. Bless God. God's price is an amazing boss. I'm like, I'm trying. I'm trying to get this work done. And the people popping in and the calls going out and whatever. That was all like, wow, wow, we hope you can do it. You know, we don't believe in crossing our fingers around here, but we'll cross our hands in prayer. Nobody cares about all that kind of stuff until you actually cross the finish line. Then they want to know, well, what did it take for you to get there? Oh, how much time do you have? Then they want to sit down and hear your story. But until then, just keep on plowing through. And she says that... uh, Live by the word to change your soul. If you just live by the word, you will kill depression. Woo! You want to know the days I'm like, well, I don't, I know you don't wake up off, you know, kilter. Like, that's something that I had to shut down years ago, years and years and years ago, as an option for how I was going to live. But I know that I wake up and have my highest flying days in Christ when I let that word play all night. Now, playing the word all night is not actually a substitute for studying the word, and I just want to put that out there. Listen to my word. You listen, but do you read it, though? I mean, faith says come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but see again, let's not make a principle, a whole doctrine. Principle of our faith, not a whole doctrine. Okay? So you need to pick up your Bible and read it. Pick up those scriptures and read them, but that's it. She said making the word. Oh, no, I'm sorry, that's my thought. All right. How God bless it. God has just one way to bless his people, and that is through faith. 
Are we seeing a theme here? Are we seeing a theme that faith, and we had a whole discussion about faith the other day, and it was powerful, it was juicy. This is why I like traveling on the road, you get away from the familiar routines, and you get to everything she has. <laughs> okay, emotional conduct, attitude, and habits are choices that one makes. Banished from your vocabulary, they made me so whatever. They made me so mad. Why did they have that kind of control? To make you mad. To make this just made me so sad. So it made you be sad. You're saying that it has the control, it has the authority over you to make you something that you say you don't appreciate. But I have found that really you only surrender to what you really want. Somewhere, even in our addiction, in 3D, well, bless God, you find out that you surrender because your will wanted it. Now, your intellect may have been too smart to admit it because who wants to admit that they want to be hooked on drugs? But your soul wanted it until you gave it permission. Because why, and, and when I work with people, we're going to get to the root of why you chose to pick up the bottle to deal with this thing in your soul instead of going to prayer. Why did you reach for this instead of that? And that's what you deal with with the soul. And I appreciate you for writing all this stuff, Dr. Price. Thank you. Well, you know, I read it, taught it, read it. And so we have, uh, she says, success has attitude, demeanor, mentality, perspective, not just being busy. Oh. So we think that success is just looking busy, being busy. I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. How come I'm not successful? Well, what is your attitude? Do you have the attitude for success, the demeanor, the mentality, the perspective, all of that goes in. Again, if your, your initial and main framework for success is what you see and not what you know, you're probably never going to get there. See on television, uh, you know, look at Dr. Price. Well, I just, you know, we, we have to deal with things. No, you can't talk to everybody the way Dr. Price does. That's why you don't get the fruit she does because you haven't paid the dues. You're not even coming from the same motivation. And she'll say it over and over. No, I have earned the right to correct and to tweak and to do those things where somebody else may not. Or if you have, you can't do it the same way she does. You have to know all of those behind-the-scenes things for success that make it happen. And she said, serving yields a reward. I'm telling you what, I could be a poster child for the rewards of service. Where's my poster? <laughs> okay. This is a reward of service. And can I say serving with the right heart and the right attitude? Because you're not really serving if you're thinking about it. Then that leader has to pray the devil's up. See, I'm spending all my time trying to get you right. So you know me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was a soft <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know. We don't talk about it. You because why? Because over and over again, we meet and we train people who are thinking and they're walking around with the attitude of "I'm doing my leader a favor," and they should be happy with whatever I give them. Well, no. Let me tell you, this is not the place to bring that. So can let me tell you. No. Let me just let me tell you something. I'm just so glad to say. First of all, I'm appreciating my you know organic apostles. You know, I used to say I had one, and God got me this weekend, so Apostle Sally and Apostle Nona should be thrilled, as well as my other new apostles, because these people didn't come as apostles like that. Mm-hmm. So they came out me. I had to thank God for all of my new apostles. And, yeah. and the, the new ones I'm getting, I'm getting new ones. Yeah. But let me just 
tell you something. I am one of those leaders that say, if you're serving God, then you're going to serve me right. And if you're serving yourself, you're going to serve me briefly.
you're volunteering for the Lord, it doesn't make a difference what they ask you to do. You are seeking a harvest from the Lord because you're taking his, his issues to your heart. And you don't think God's issues are real. So we don't have that. You don't come in and you come behind that. When so-and-so says she's not coming, this one's not coming back. I said, do I cut out? I said, I'll tell you what. If you want my covering, you want my access, you want my authority, you want to deliver because I'm, I'm trading in kingdom terms. That's why you have access to me because I'm trading kingdom currency. I'm trading the currency of God. I'm a tonal agent of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trading royal currency for your service. Good. Did you like that? Yes. See, because so you, you aren't going to tell me how this is going to go because you've given up yourself. You give up yourself to a lot of things. You give yourself to football games and, and shopping. You give yourself to television. You give yourself to a lot of things that you treat better than God. So I'm, I'm, my trade is my apostleship gives you access to the royal currency and guardianship, protection, and releases yes. of the covenant that God has for his ministers. So you don't tell me, well, I'm just I'm leaving at 3. No, you ain't leaving at 3. Did you get done? Because you probably need to finish because our hours are this and this. But I'm not saying 3. Uh-uh. No, you don't call the shots on my commission. You called the shots on your commission. And the fact that you joined me said you wanted to link your commission to my commission because you saw something worth trading. Yes. Is that right? You're trading on the currency of my apostleship. You're trading for the dispensation in my apostleship. You hit it and I'll hit this. Mm-hmm. And that is so true because when people are with you, they're floored in how the mantle opens, their understanding opens, whatever. When they part ways the wrong way, I'll say the wrong way, because they'll be them. When they part ways the wrong way, they don't realize that all that stuff stays here. In my commission, because it was my commission. My commission is an institution. See, a real commission is an institution. It's a foundation. Yes. You understand that? See, I'm, I don't have an identity Christ. I really don't. And I I can honestly thank God that I outgrew it. But the more you grow in the righteousness of God, the more that, the more. (laughs) Studio humor. (laughs) But the more you grow in the righteousness of God, the more your your humanism and your human identity and, and, and the identification with the deficiencies and weaknesses and inability. So my power comes from the fact that my faith in, in Jesus Christ, his call on my life, is real. So, and, and people have said, well, that's why I read up because if you want a pastor, don't go to an apostle. Please say that one more time. See, because some of you all want to be pastored and not, and not led and not shepherded. There's a difference. Because if you want to be pastored, you out there petting sheep, picking stuff. But if you want to get my book, ABCs of Apostleship 2, and we tell you how apostles do what they do, don't go to an apostle if you need a nursemaid. And, and don't go to an apostle. Now, you can go to an apostle if you're going to start at the bottom. Where, and all apostles are, by now, those that really live with Jesus Christ, they're going to start you at ground zero. How to hear God. Number two, how to fear God. How about that? 
And then number three, how to heed God. Number four, how to desire God. Number five, how to obey God. Because you think obedience is just, I do what I'm told. No, God's whole system, his entire creation is based on obedience. Because obedience doesn't just say, do what I say. Obedience is about compliance. Obedience is about conformance. Obedience is about submission, accountability. And you can say all of that because Satan took out our, he took out the world by telling you all of that was in your own perception and your preferences. And as a result, he fractured the nation. And he did it very well by individualizing it. And as long as something is individualized, it is scatterable. It is, if, you either, if you're not gathering for him, Jesus said, then you're scattering abroad. The man was very clear that if I'm not the message, I'm not the core, I'm not the focal point, I am not the target or the object, then guess what? Everything else is scattering. And so when I start teaching on that, so I, you know, when they tell me, because I got, I got sheep, you know, that come, I'm just here for Dr. Price. If you're here for Dr. Price, you should be here for the commission, and you should be able to work with my offspring. Because they're going to tell you about me in ways that others can't. You need to start working with the leaders. I always say to my, my people, how, do you, how, how am I going to trust you as a leader? You don't trust the leaders I put in place. So what's going to make you different? What am I going to do better with you that I haven't done with others? See, that's the logic of congregation. That's not the logic of kingdom. Congregational logic is like children in the house. Everybody's vying for their moment, vying for attention, trying to get there to do, and sometimes, you know, strapping with the siblings. That's local church. You know, shunning and spurning the elder brothers and the elder siblings. See, that's local church. Kingdom got a different consciousness. They know a one ship in the armor begins the deterioration. And they're determined not to be the chip. Satan works on weaklings. Kingdoms are taken out by weaklings. Because a strong link doesn't break. So as long as we stay in the continuum, are they wrong with me? As long as we stay in the continuum, then we're all right. And I'm just excited because, you know, I'm very serious about what I do because I laid everything down for it. My family will tell you I laid everything down. My children will tell you. My home will tell you. My sheep will tell you. I don't expect to do anything in this world but be Jesus Christ in this vessel. I don't expect to do anything. I'm, I don't have any. I promise you, I don't. Nothing. Nothing up with that way. But the more he poured himself in me and dumped himself in me, the more he moved out everything that wasn't him. See, God is for God. We think God is just for us. God out for God's good. <laughs> we need to clean that up a little bit. So God is out for God's good. When I was training my apostles, and for the apostles that are listening, listen, I want you to hear this, because this is the thing, this is the, the linchpin that holds it together or Says it apart. When I was training apostles, God said to me very clearly, if you are for the kingdom, you have a ministry. If you're for the king, you have his commission. I don't, that's why when you start moving for high power, you got to kill those stuff. 
Elisha, yes. anointed Elisha, and we talked about it from, from congregational ways and, and church ways and independent individual Christian ways, but the truth be told, Elisha had to kill his own career so that he could enter the career of Elijah, whose career was literally to the Most High God. Which is why when Elijah was done, heaven came to God. And when you say he slaughtered his own career, he killed his yoke of oxen. Right, because I want you to make that connection because people don't make that connection. No, his career was his father's, he was his father's um, leader. He was his father's business manager. I wouldn't say it like that. His father's top manager. His father had a business, and of course, agriculturally, it was, of course, either the fields or the uh, animals. So he had that career. That was his job. Matter of fact, he met, you know, Elijah because he was doing his job. But God, is, while Elijah was in the cave, was changing the guards. You need to know when God is changing the guards, guards, because he didn't ask for permission. See, God doesn't all, A lot of these ministries fell because they changed the guard to the thing that God didn't choose. Ooh. See, they changed it to their wayward sons and daughters who did, you gave God their behind the kids. They did that Eli transition, that Eli guard change. Yes. But see, when God changes the guard, if you are a genuine leader, you let even your offspring know, baby, but you didn't earn this. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. You did not earn this. So Elijah went and got Elisha because God said, I've anointed him. When God, when Moses was leaving, because God came to get Moses, when Moses was leaving, God said, I've anointed Joshua. What did they do? They stayed faithful in humility. Peter said, before honor is humility. He said, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, but you are under leaders that teach you arrogance and pride, and that's a cinch and God's master. Because if you are filled with arrogance and pride, you are definitely susceptible to being weaponized by the anointed cherub who felt he, was, he should have been Jesus. Mm. <laughs> so when, I, when, when God starts developing you, the reason God wants you to have training is because training not only disciplines you, it deflates your ego by making you confront your ignorance, your naivety, your, your um, um, gullibility, all of which are dangerous to people in high seats of power. True leaders will not put novices in power because that means you want to destroy your organization. They, you can't do anything but destroy. You put your child in, and, and what are they going to do? They're going to break everything, sell everything, tear everything, poop, spew everywhere. <laughs> because they don't know what to do but to be themselves. They're raw, primitive, undeveloped selves. Some of you out there right now, you're looking for people to, to put in succession, and you're so caught up in, 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 uh, in following the trends and the requirements and the commandments of men concerning succession, you have not discovered who should succeed you. You are choosing a successor or somebody who kept showing up and showing up and showing up and did the best they could. But I want to tell you something. Solomon had a successor called Jeroboam. Mm. 
So you need to recognize if who you're choosing to succeed you believes you or believes the way you do. Because it's, the, the Joshua, I say, God taught from Genesis to Revelation, God explained why Jesus Christ was his best choice as appointed leadership, as high power. God, from Genesis to Revelation, God tells you, there's no way in the world that you can put bad leaders in position if you stay with the word of God. You may not, see, because we say the word of God, your mind goes religious. But see, it, but the Bible covers every every element and aspect of human resources, human experience, human intelligence, human uh, uh, education, human lack of education, human ignorance. Everything is in there. So I'm telling you right now, you all went to meetings where some devil talked y'all about succession, and you put his people in power over your ministry over your businesses, over your realm, you did that because you follow somebody else's. Because everybody, the church locked Jesus Christ and his supremacy and his superlativeness into the consciousness of people who are never going to be in power. That, that, that kind of training shouldn't be the same. shouldn't have the same training. What I say to her and what I say to uh, of the up-and-coming leaders Two different things, but also my tolerance level for inadequacy and incompetence is greater with her because I know you know better. I know what I gave you, and God knew what he gave you. So we can, you can do all of that stuff and say, well, I'm volunteering to help you out. You're not helping me. I don't need helpers. I need rulers. I need achievers. I need obtainers. I need guardians. I need warriors. Don't be helping me. You help me in the church, but if you're going to be under my commission, you're going to be more than him. You're not church help. Yeah, but you don't. Because you've got to keep, keep that which has been entrusted to you. Every win has to be kept. Helpers don't keep. They just repeat. I expect you to be brilliant. And I'm not putting anything close to me who's not brilliant. And I'm not intimidated by your brilliance. I'm celebrating. Thank you, Jesus. Baby, the toothpick has a better experience. <laughs> <laughs> I like brilliant. I like educated. I like accomplished. I like achieved. Let me tell you something. I, you know, people think that they don't get to speak their mind. They do. I just use my mind when I'm ready. But I'm interested in what they say because a lot of things my leaders say means I'm done with that situation and they can run with it. So I'm not looking for you to bypass my leaders. I don't need you to audition for me every day. I don't need you to, to you know, to try to demonstrate to me, roll out your best gift. I don't really need that until we're trained. Because, see, I need us on the same page. With the same mind. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. See, I'm operating on Jesus's, not just his thoughts, his mind, but his thoughts. See, a lot of us like the infrastructure of the man's mind. Yeah, you like that spiritual neurology, that thing, his, how he thinks. But, but wait a minute, that does, that, that does not make you with him. See, I am operating. 
operating on Jesus' duty to his creation, his responsibilities, his obligations, his, his um, method, his methodology, because it's there in Scripture. We told you it wasn't there because devils wrote books to get you out of the Word. Humanists wrote books. Secularists wrote books. And they did all of that under seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, and commandments of men. Because Jesus has to keep creation. Half of you Christians talking about something like God is love, you are operating on one of those three. You're operating on a, 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 literally on a fallen angel's ideology, philosophy, or theology. Because they don't know what it's like to have to keep this creation that your father created and had to wrestle with these devils that defected, rose up against you. So you don't know that. See, but that's, that's kingdom thought. See, kingdom thinking and church thinking, two different things. And the kingdom guards the church so it can be what it is, a playground in some areas and a powerhouse in others. And some of you all have to decide whether you're in a playground or a powerhouse. Because the fact that this man's kingdom is strengthened, Christianity is strengthened, say that Satan turned the church into Rosalind. It's a playground. He made it a nursery. That's why you got, you're out there fussing. Well, I don't care the God I serve. You need to check the God you serve. And I need you to tell, because the kingdom agent is going to ask you to profile that God and to give his credentials. Because God said, ask of me. He doesn't mind you betting him. God wants you to bet him. Jesus wants you to bet him because he wants you to know that you're coming to truth. We don't lie over here, is what he's saying. We don't cheat over here. We win by our Excellence. We win by being the original, the archetype, and the prototype. So some of you all have to go back. So, you know, our wrestle is not with flesh and blood. But I want you to understand our scuffle is. We may be wrestling with something that's not flesh and blood. But we're scuffling with what that, that spirit is using. The conditioning in you, the education in you. You realize when you go out into the world and they start talking about Christianity, do you realize that is brainwashed? They are conditioned to hear Christ and record it. Yes. That's a conditioning. They don't have a reason, they don't have a ration, and most of them have a lot. Because they, they literally are telling you that there's a problem with the church while their system has given you AIDS, while their system has given you STIs and STDs, while their system has given you opioid addiction, while their system has torn down your family, while their system has scattered and destroyed your future, and they keep telling you that Christianity is a problem. You understand? That's because they've got you to, to literally to deflect his life and redemption through educational, academic, through business, through seminars. Because when they start talking to me about Christianity, I'm like, excuse me? And all they're saying is that, yeah, but you understand, y'all are rigid and y'all are legal. Look what your life to be doing. You gave us a fallen nation. And somebody needs to let you know that we have seen your game and peaked your heart. 
So, so you are wonderful because you can be, you can look horrible. You can catch yourself up with poisons that are going to take you out in your early in your later years. You can sleep with anything you want to sleep with. You can spread your your diseases here, there, and everywhere. And you can do all of that without impunity. And you can do all of it so that you can say to Christianity, in your faith, we die today. See, that's where the stuff place is. And everybody, well, I'm sorry, I just don't believe in God. Yes, you do. You just believe you are God. Okay. You're supposed to be the master of your own. You're, yeah, you're the master of your own, captain of yeah. your own faith. What is that? Yeah. You believe in God. You just don't want to believe in a God that you can't see and a God that you don't want to bow to. That was Lucifer's problem. I don't want to bow any longer. Your stuff is not new. You understand? It's not new. It's just unknown to this generation. It is not new. Just unknown to this generation. See, those are the things that you have to do and have to deal with as the one who represents the throne of creation. I represent Jesus Christ on the throne. I am filled with the Lion of Judah. I am a true offspring and replicant of the Lamb of God. I am filled with all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I'm going to bring you the whole counsel of God. I sit in heavenly places. In Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ, I, I call those things that be not as though they are. I have no identity crisis. I don't wonder why I'm here. I don't wonder what God is going to do next. I don't have to. I took the time to become his slave so that I could succeed as his servant, so that I could excel as his representative, and so that I could rule as his agent. Because I am an agent of God. I don't have an identity crisis. And if you are a real apostle, you shouldn't either. Because Acts 26, when Jesus said, I have appeared to you for this purpose. See, I'm sending you. That sent, that sending is to the Gentiles. And everybody wants, well, what is the Gentiles? The Gentiles is all all of the nations, all of the genetics of the planet that God lets Satan keep. That's what the Gentile is. Because we think it's all about, well, we don't like how they do No, no, no. They are all Satan's kids. They are the tares that Jesus is talking about. The wheat is the one nation God kept for himself. And don't you know? See, again, no identity crisis. I don't, because if I don't know my identity, I cannot be assured that I would give God Full fidelity. See, I get God full, literally, I get God full fidelity. Why? Because I know why I'm here. And you should. That's what I trained my apostles to know. So that when you stand up, Paul stood up because he was trained. Those apostles stood up because they were trained. These apostles let down, not because they don't love Jesus and they don't care, but because the disconnect that happened is a continuum. It's the continuum breach that we're talking about, the breach of fidelity, the breach of veracity, the breach of holiness, the breach of righteousness. See, it's the breach of the divine wisdom that brought us into existence. And see, I don't have that. I, I just don't. Before the garden. You don't have to wonder who Dr. Paul Christ is. You don't have to wonder what I think. It's right here. Before the garden, the garden, God's eternal continuum. See? Right there. I got prophecy. 
dictionary from the Pam Butler. Why? Because I am an agent of the Godhead. And when you look up the difference between even an agent and a representative and a minister, you're going to find out who I am and why I'm sure. Because I back my kingdom. And maybe you just back his kingdom. Oh, oh yeah. How are we doing? How are we doing? Honey, I'll be watching over and over. <laughs> <laughs> and you know when you hit agency status, when you work with the, with the king and the palace guard and the king's court. And I'm going to show you that. You want to know? How many of you all want to know Best Bible? Okay. Do I have any hands up out there? Come on, I need some hands up. Am I getting hands up? All right. Because I need... I'm trying not to. <laughs> trying. Try to behave myself. She cut up all the books. Yes, I did. So, you know... Starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. Let me tell you what I found out. Let me tell you what I found out. I found out that if you give Jesus top bill, Bill and he takes the mic. He's like, oh, and first, okay, when Jesus is first, you can't figure out who's second. I don't know, but I don't care. The man is awesome. Jesus, the son of the living God, the sugar. So I'm going to get me a, I told him I needed the biggest screen. I'm going to get me one to go wall to wall. They're going to find me find the little old dot down in the corner. Okay, well, maybe not. Yeah, I keep telling you, but you're the show doctor. <laughs> okay, so I want you to see today's topic. Today's topic is Spiritual guardianship consciousness. Today's church has no consciousness of covering God. And it's not because they don't want to. This is not an indictment to say, ooh, you big mess. I am so far from saying that because I understand that where I've been in God, what he's done, how he's given this to me, etc., I understand that it's a privilege. Now, it's not, I will not stand here and say, well, he hasn't done it anywhere else or whatever. I will say that what I need is a privilege. And I'm privileged because I got his back. See, you will the more you want from God, the more you have to have his back. You have to back God when it's unpleasant. You have to back God when it hurts. You have to back God's play. And most of us can't do that because we got the family that's gonna be mad. We got the friends that's gonna be mad. We got the congregants that's gonna leave. Let me tell you something, when congregants leave God's righteousness, they leave for doom. Because they need destiny for doom. When you, when, and, and, but the problem is half of them are leaving because they don't even know what's right or wrong. Because they haven't been taught the word. They left because somebody said if it doesn't feel right, you can leave. If it, if it sits on your ministry, you should leave. If it doesn't give you an opportunity, you should leave. If your, your baby doesn't leave, you should leave. If your number doesn't know, you should leave. Yeah. See, all of those, all of those uh, criteria for abandoning destiny are swirling around in your soul. It's not that you don't love Jesus Christ. It's not that you're not even trying to get it right. It's because of false teaching, bad teaching, Jeroboam priests and demons are sitting in the high seats of the church. You should study 
everybody listening to me today, I want you to study Jeroboam. And don't just study him from Kings. Study the Chronicles, because the Chronicles gives you the invisible story, the backstory. See, and, and you realize that Jeroboam fired all God's priests. And you know what? His righteous priest today is trying to make ends meet. And you know who you're backing? You're sending your, you're sending your money. You're backing Jeroboam's demon priest. He said Jeroboam made, literally made altars for the high places for demons. It's in your Bible that you don't read. And you know why you don't read it? Because Satan tells you it's outdated. It's not outdated. Satan introduced all of this. He did this in God's realm when he was Lucifer. So now he's just, he's just running from his own playbook. And many of you all need to know his playbook from God's side, not from the conditioning that he has permeated throughout God's educational and God's societal system. So many of you don't know that. You realize you're sitting there, you don't know that your pastor went to a meeting, a devil visited him and said, if you do all of this, I'm going to give you the world. You don't know that. And, and yet, yet, you should, because you watch your pastor go from a beautiful, clean, glorious creature like Lucifer to a, that old serpent, the dragon, to that old red dragon, to that devil, to the wicked one. You watch your pastor mutate, and you think that mutation is God's elevation. Oh, I got to hit a little something. Yes, you do. Mutate. So your pastor literally mutated before your eyes. You had a clean, young preacher, male or female. Next thing you know, they got dreadlocks. Read them up. Dreadlocks of the devil. The dreadlocks is a hairdo for the dead. So your pastor got taken over. Next thing, you look around, and your pastor is wearing less and less holy God and more and more fertility God. That means that they fornicated with that devil. But you don't know that because who's going to tell you but an apostle to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God until you know the backstory. Because what's in the backstory, Dr. Christ? God's version. So you don't know that. You think your pastor's being trendy. You think your pastor's finally caught up with the, with the times. You think your pastor finally broke away with the obsolescence of Scripture. And yet scripture tells you what's happening to your pastor. All of a sudden, your pastor's wearing skinny jeans and, and plunged necklines. All of a sudden, they're wearing a pagan jewelry. All of a sudden, they can't stop cussing because the, the, the cursing devil is the three frogs of the false prophet. That, that, so where they went, they picked up those frogs. See, don't let, I don't have an identity crisis. So then you turn around and you're real excited because less and less you're hearing scripture and then they start crafting another Jesus. And Jesus said it would happen. He said, listen, many Christ are going to say, I am the Christ. Many folks are going to pick it up because what was Satan's issue? He wanted to be the Christ. Read Revelation 12. See, I'm still in the book. I don't have to get out the book to find about what's going on in creation because I'm reading the archives and the narratives of the creator. This is what God experienced. This is what God suffered. So your pastor starts Christ- preaching another Jesus, the one that doesn't mind, the easy on your Christianity Jesus. He doesn't mind that you get, your, your pastor is preaching, but well, God knows you have needs, so he
you to wrap up in sexual immorality. And you know why he needs that? Because Satan promised those devils bodies. And so you're proud because you, you've always been fighting with your, with your, your, your nature anyway. So you're really glad that this new Jesus allows you to literally become a host of devils and to transport them throughout your generation because they don't stop because you do. You're excited about that. You're excited that you can cut. I mean, you feel so good. What is the liberating key? Do you know what the witches always say about righteousness? We're better because we are liberating. I went to Wicca because I felt free from organized religion. It's not organized religion that they felt free from. It's the righteousness of God that they wanted freedom from. And you buying a lie. You think it's your religion. It's not your religion. It's your redemption. I don't have a tendency. I keep saying that. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm saying this today, but glory to God, you need to understand that it's your identity crisis that makes you susceptible and gullible. When you look at their thing, when you look at all of their praise, all of their praise is about them not having to obey their creator. Well, who invented that? Who invented that? Lucifer. And he does it every time. Did God really say, do you really want that? And, and, and uh, trust me, it's a sheer stroke of genius that he came up with the, don't you want to be free from organized religion so you don't realize that you are not, you really were never bound by organized religion because religion can't exist without a deity. And he wanted to switch out your deity. And he did. And so you can drink all you want. You can float around in fields with flowers on your head. You can walk around and eat little white things. You can get to these little wood stumps and you can stop talking about trees, trees, stop talking. You can drink any intoxicant you want. You can have all the orgies you want. You realize your pastor went to those orgies. And so you can have, because Satan, Satan won't take you without an orgy, because he's got to house his devil. So you can, you can go to all these orgies. You can be like the people in, in, in Isaiah looking through, uh, the prophet looks through the wall and see what the preachers do after church out of the congregation's eyes. You can, you can literally marry 15 people. You can get into paganism, homosexuality. You can get into bestiology. You, bestiology. you can get into bigamy. I mean, you can do everything that Jesus Christ came to the earth to rescue humanity from. You can do it. And the fun thing about Jesus that people don't know is that his blood was not just shed for the righteous. It was shed for the unrighteous. When people say that Jesus Christ loves the world, he loved the world enough not to force them, force himself on them. You don't like me? That's fine. My blood frees you to be with any God you want, to serve any God you want, as long as you understand that when you get out of that body, you understand that I'm not going to sing that, that God that you chose to hell, because that's where they were in the first place, but I am going to sing you, because you are not composed of what I do live with. <laughs> so you can have a blast. They can talk you into all of that, but I'm giving you the signs that my pastor has left Christ. 
You need to know that your pastor has defected from Jesus Christ, and the Bible calls it apostasy. You need to study apostasy because your pastor went to a meeting because he was tired of having just 300 people, was tired of not getting the millions, was tired of not having the, the, the center stage and the world stage, and so he went to the meeting, and the meeting, the devil came and sent a negotiator, first the scout, because first they scout, and then they negotiate, and sent a negotiator and said, you know what? I can bring you up to 60,000 people. I can bring you up to 70,000 people. And you know what? How do I know he did that? Because he did it to Jesus Christ, his maker, on the mountain. And if you're going to offer the owner possession and control of his own house, you got a lot of nerves. You are an I'm telling you, I know it. And so he shows up, and then and the next thing, as soon as you say yes, the first thing you want to do is cut a blood covenant. He's going to cut you or beat you, rape you, or sodomize you, but blood must be shed. That's his devil. I don't know. That's devil old one. <laughs> And once that blood is shed, covenant is created. And from that moment, your orifice has become an inrush of demonic beings who now can get their expression through your vessel. That's why you watch your pastor, the eyes change. Just look at them. Go look at the early pictures and then look at the later ones. Their eyes change. See, I'm not speaking what you can't check out. Because, you know, that's one thing he said, that's a devil. No, no. Go and look at your pastor. When you first came, the early pictures, they were all cleaned up and cute and carrying on. And look at them. Their eyes are so dark and they're so pointy and they're so black, you can't even see light in them. And it's like the ghost. The, you know how people say the light has gone out of their eyes? Go look. You'll find out the light has gone out of their eyes. But there's a strange glistening. And that glistening is the presence of the light of darkness. So you can say, yeah, but I'm going to pray for the man of God. I'm going to pray for the woman of God. If it took them that long to become mutated, how long do you think it's going to take them to be renovated? See, you are operating on church dogma. And most of you all are, are slugging with us over what's obvious. You're fighting because you know you're wrong. You're fighting because something inside your spirit, the Christ in you, is prompting you to loose that and let it go. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I'll be honest with you, I got a whole other thing that I was going, but that's usually the case. When you get a church, you get Jesus. I'm like, even like, I'm, I'm going to run the service. And so, I just want you to understand. So you are looking, and you're saying, my pastor looks just like the world. And you're so excited. Yay! I don't have a religious pastor. Yay! My pastor's not legalistic. Yay! I can finally lay down my burden on this altar of sin. I'm excited. <laughs> Aren't you so proud of yourself? Aren't you proud of your little worldly, sophisticated, common, demonic pastor? Aren't you proud of that? Aren't you thrilled? You're so thrilled that your pastor looks just like the people you're going to work with. You're thrilled. You're excited that your pastor is wearing the same clothes that which you said that they designed for us to prove their right. You're excited. You're thrilled. Aren't 
Jesus tickled pink. Your pastor, who was once a clean, holy vessel and priest according to the order of Melchizedek, has become a revival, a resurgence of Jeroboam priest. So you went from Jeremiah to Jeroboam? Oh, God. Aren't you just so excited and you boast about it? Yeah, but my pastor's a, my pastor's worldly. My pastor's secular. My pastor's ungodly. My pastor's just like the world. I don't have to worry about changing anything. I can stay as ugly as I am. I can stay as perverted as I am. I can even up my living. Because my pastor, my pastor, my church, we are not legalistic. You're right. You're an illegal Christian. So you're not legalistic. Because the alternative to legalism is that you're illegal. You are an illegal Christian with false credentials. So the customs agents of the kingdom need to not give you access. There's a reason why countries have customs agents, because they don't want illegals prospering and thriving on the wealth of their land, because that robs the legitimate Christian. So you're lawless. Because you're all so proud of yourself. Yeah, because we don't do the Bible. Yeah, you do. You do a Bible. It's just not the Bible of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. You do the doctrines of devils. You can't help but you love doctrines of devils. You just don't know it's devils because your pastor is telling you that he went away to a retreat and came back free of. Uh-huh. Your pastor went away and she got, she got free from traditional Christianity. She got free from and you're so, and you're excited. You wow, mommy and daddy are no longer like Jesus. Yay! They went and got a new Jesus. Hallelujah! And you sing your little soulful song and your little raunchy secular song because you don't have to. Because you got to worship your new God, and your new God is not all held the power of Jesus. Oops. So you've been rich from heaven. You've been raped, you've been plundered and pillared, and then you've been stripped of your holy wear and compelled to wear the garments of this world. And you're so excited, aren't you? Some of you just said, so please, wait, I see how we don't, are you can we sing secular songs in our church? Yeah. You're thrilled. You really, you really tickle pink. Try singing another company's uh, what do you call it? Song or whatever in the in their competitors' employ. Try that. Yeah. You know the lyrics better better talk about who's paying. Which is why you don't sing secular songs. That tells you who's paying, and it tells you who's not. That's why you sing secular songs. That's why you bouncing balls and going to going to church and coochie cutting pants and you know sitting there with your thighs out and your flip flops because your God is not the God that's sitting on the throne of creation. I don't care how many members you have. I don't care about your sixty thousand, ninety thousand members. I don't care about any of that. I'm telling you that God calls for a remnant. So if you're part of the the huge masses, you should be concerned. Your, you, you, your God is telling you that's okay. Because the God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, the first thing he did when Adam and Eve fell, first of all, by instinct, they knew that they should no longer be naked. By instinct, 
stay here. They should no longer be naked. Are they following me? <laughs> the first thing they understood was they had to cover their genitals. Wow. They knew that. They knew they had to cover their bodies. Now, I'm thinking a lot of things could have prompted that. Y'all flowing? A lot of things could have prompted that. A bunch, a bunch of things. But I believe, but I believe, the fact is that the Bible said the glory that God left. Because as long as they were under the Almighty's glory, they were under his warmth. Yeah. They were in his, in his realm. And so he departed their vessels. And I bet you they felt for the first time cold. Chill. They felt the element. Because God was holding all of that at bay. They felt God's coldness towards Satan because he was not in them. Mm. They felt the loneliness and, the, and they felt the, the, the fear. And all that, all that Satan received for his sin had entered them. And the first thing what they wanted to do is they also knew they lost God's covering because their eyes were open. So what was their eyes? They weren't blind. So what were their eyes open to? Their eyes were open to the harshness of life. So God comes and says, Adam, where are you? The man, Jesus, what do you mean, where am I? I'm where you like me. I mean, we've only had the garden. We haven't been anywhere else. We've only been in this garden. And yet he says, where are you? And he's saying, where are you? Because he knew that he had already decreed that the moment that Adam ate, it wasn't about Eve, because Eve wasn't even created when God said it. So the moment that Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge and of good and evil, in that very second, Adam died to God. And Adam became as Satan. Y'all didn't catch that. He literally died to God. And so God, that's why, because it took, in God's construct, I'm going to use that word, but in God's construct, construct, where Adam once resided, in heavenly places, in the warmth, in the, the safe, in the secure, in the approved realms and dimensions of God and, and, and areas of God, he Satan yanked him out, and he put him where God keeps the dead. So God, that's why God said, where are you? You're no longer in the realms of life. Where are you? You're no longer where I keep and protect the approved, the faithful, the loyal, the obedient. He asked him, he said to him, you're gone. Not only that I don't feel you, but your place is empty. Your station is empty. Your gene pool is gone. Your reproductive potential is no longer mine. That's why he came after the gene pool. So he said, Adam, where are you? Because he's saying you're no longer 
where I birthed you. You're no longer where I begot you. You're no longer where I hid you in righteousness. So he was like, because remember, God's a being. We teach it so theologically, we forget that God is a being, and this being has organs and all of the things that are in the human body. He made Adam like himself, and he, and he looked out, and he realized he felt it. Hallelujah. He felt it. You know, like that pain of a kidney stone. You feel that passion. He felt Adam's departure from his life. And so while Adam's body was still in the garden, his being was no longer in his name. Coffee! We'll release. Now Adam, on the other hand, feels it. Because he's cold. He's fearful. He feels his body strength dropping. He feels that, that, that thing that made creation bow to him dissipate. Because creation must bow to death since he has abdicated the reign of life. So God says, where are you? And the first thing Adam tells him is what? I was afraid. That means he incurred the same curses and dooms that were on that old serpent, the devil, they now are his existence. And he and Satan wastes no time letting him know you're lost. He wastes no time letting him know you're my subject. So he goes, and the first thing he God says, he's looking at God's looking at these little flimsy wear, and what God knows is that he can really get out my garden. <laughs> you can ready to get out, because I'm putting you out of my garden. You and your serpent, you and your new God. See, that's the, oh, that's the, can you imagine how cool God was? That was the, the only time that that serpent was allowed in that in Eden again after he fell. Because he used to be in Eden. Because if that were in Eden, garden of God. And so God let him come back in as the sifter, yes. as the test proctor. And he proctored at his test. So God, but I think it's genius, pure, sheer genius. You know why? Because he could get the serpent out of the garden now, once again, because he got him in man. And when he put man out the garden, Satan had to go. I'm excited. So I told you. And so. But before he goes, he's like, you're going to meet something that you've never thought about before called my element. Satan met out of darkness. You're going to meet out of evil. And so you're going out with your new God because y'all not feasting on my life. That's why people are like, well, I just I don't need God yet, but I don't need God because he went into the wilderness. He went into the earth and he was supposed to populate and ornament for the Almighty. Now he's ornamenting it with death, mortal stuff. But he said, cursed is the ground for your sin. Yeah. What is he saying? Everything you touch. We think it's all about veggies and whatever. No, it's about the tree. It's about the water. It's about the, the, the garden. Uh, it's, uh, excuse me, the growth. It's about the dirt. It's about what you use the dirt to do. Mm. 
All of it is cursed. So it will never match my superlatives again until I replace it. See, God is not even trying to fix earth. He's not trying to renovate it. He's trying to replace it. Because he knows his curse will be in every facet of it forever. So he says, so before you leave the garden, let me get you some clothes. I need you to be covered. And we think about it then, well, tunics of skin, so we think about it then, sleep. No, no. They went to the earth change. Because remember, the devil had control of the weather and rock it up. So God, that first leather coat was real leather coat. And so the best they could do were leaves because Adam didn't know about killing. He didn't know about killing and skinning animals. That's the whole reason for the killing and skinning of the sacrifice today. Why do we have to have it? Why do we need that? Because God had to be the first killer on planet. So he had to kill an animal to cover his humanity who had moved from his image and likeness to the animal. So he could see Adam was supposed to rule the animal, and now he's wearing them <laughs> to keep himself alive. And he's, you know, so because when people, <laughs> so you know when people say, well, we're born into this world naked. Can you understand how stupid these, these ideologies are? So where from the womb to the delivery table should that kid pick up some clothes? And who's going to make them and put it on them? See, dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. So you see, but you're so quick. To think Christianity is wrong because we are exclusive. Because we are the highest. We are the best. We're the top of the food chain. And you're so quick to jump off of that inheritance and jump into the heritage of doom and dark. It took God to put clothes on on, on Adam and Eve because Satan couldn't. He's a honey man. See, the first person to clothe humanity was its maker. When it took the maker to give Satan the power to come up with some clothes. Why? Because he would do it by the way God did, killing animals, killing creatures, robbing them, silkworms, and all of that kind of stuff. It was the Almighty that clothed his creature, that clothed his offspring. It wasn't the devil, because that serpent wasn't trying to find clothes, because he was already clothed in Adam's heart. Uh, <laughs> he had a home and an outfit. Okay? 
He had a home and an outfit. He didn't need clothes. But Adam was going to need clothes because Adam was going to bear the brunt of the elements that have now turned on him, turned against him, and become the domain of, of, of the devil. So God clothed them. But how did he clothe them? There was no wall. We didn't have any kind of, you know, looms. We couldn't, you know, read stuff. He couldn't do that. So God had to use what he had made, which was an animal with fur. So he killed an animal. And he tanned this hide. And he outfits his man very naked, deprived of him, male and female, man and his wife. And then he said, "Okay, so y'all covered, y'all good. You know, you know how we send our kids off and then get out of my garden." And see, Eden was only one way in and one way out, and the only way into Eden is God's way. And the only way out of Eden is God's rejection. So he has to get out. God's like, no, you're getting out of my class. No, no, you're not going to stay up in here. Not with all of this life through, life this, life that, life giving, life making, life producing, life lacking. Well, life. And then God, knowing that Satan in Adam was going to move him to attempt to reenter the garden of life and get out of the cold, God said, no, I, t- I got you out. I think the way he got that serpent out of the garden is amazing. That's so funny. Hallelujah. It doesn't even say that he put all the animals out. He just downgraded them. I'm sure he must have somehow or another downgraded them so that they wouldn't be stronger than Adam. Uh-huh. Oh, because they would have destroyed man. So he downgraded them. That's why he said that the creation has been what? Put into subjection, waiting for the manifestation of the children of God. I know they like to say, sons, that's your little chauvinist issues. I'm sorry the King James had a problem with that, but I just want you to understand it was the original children of the children of God. And really, the original was saints of God. You don't find that out until you get to Daniel 7. The saints of God. Because, see, everybody was God's child. But who were the redeemed? So, the children of God. So, God is waiting for his offspring to take on the fullness of the Godhead bodily as well as spiritually. And so, here we are. So God kicks Adam out, and he puts them in these cherubim, these cherubim, too. Now, I know we think they're the cute little guys with the little wings and carrying on out. Now, you don't know what they look like until Ezekiel. Yeah. See, Ezekiel describes the cherubim that guarded the garden. Doesn't he? Now, God rides on cherubim. Now, understand, those cherubim are what, what, what they, they literally were Satan's beginning. That was his origin. You know, six wings, two hands. And so, 
you know, since the hand, whatever. And so I want you to get this because they are how Satan began. So you know they know how to keep him out. Yeah. Because they were his former cohorts. <laughs> cohorts. And so God stationed them and. He, now, the most interesting part is that he only needed two because only one way in, one way out. And eventually, God, because you know, God's breath is still in us, God moves the family, the community, away from the proximity of Eden. Is this all right for you all? This is excellent. I just want you to know because we have to stop running around acting as if Satan's narrative is the one. I'm sorry, Marvel got it wrong. DC Comics blew it. They don't work for Jesus Christ. They can't. They can't because they're not part of that family gene pool that the God has redeemed before the foundation of the world. Oh, yeah. So when we start talking about, you know, well, you know, humanity, I mean, man and women, I mean, Adam and Eve didn't have one any clothes. Where was the mall? Where was the manufacturing plant? Where were the workers? Because we got two people on a planet. And we already saw what they call dressing themselves, was. <laughs> so how can that ideology become justification for the nudity that we are popularizing as liberty? There's no law, guys. No fall. No shoes. They don't even say God made shoes. That's true. You know, you're going to walk that rough terrain on your bad feet. <laughs> okay? Doesn't even say he made coverings for their head. He wanted their coverings. They didn't like that. So God, like, rough it in the rain, rough it in the snow, rough it in the storm. All he did was make sure their vital organs would stay protected. Come on, team. <laughs> so, when you read this, I'm going to read this for you because, you know, y'all just need to know how it started. Now, you're going to hear theologians who were not of the family of Jesus Christ or who were shut out of his enlightenment. See, I look at theologians, I'm looking at eyes. I've been able to see babies, uh, look in babies' eyes and determine which ones were born a Christian family. You have to know. You know, you're going to sit in my seat. You better know stuff. Okay, Ezekiel 28, 14, you were an anointed guardian shepherd, for I had appointed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones. This is baby's beginning. Through the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence, and you sinned. So I expelled you in disgrace from the mountain of God and banished you, guardian shepherd, from among the fiery stones. However, when the city clerk had calmed the crowd from the fiery stones, this is Acts. And now, so we're talking about his beginning. Now, you could read, I have a course called Spiritual Photographs. And this is part of what my apostles and prophets are taught, so that they understand how to work with God's unseen agents, agencies, and guardians. 
So I, that's what I teach. You know, I just want you all to know. And so, and every nation happens. We have principalities and powers in heavenly places. And so, when we look at that, and, uh, under da- and, and Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had the watcher. And it was the watchers that judged Nebuchadnezzar. And you want to think that they were the watchers that were uh, actually doing God's service. They were, they were the God's slaves. But they were serving fallen deities because Nebuchadnezzar was under abundance of God. But God controls the watchers. Now, you know good and well that those watchers did not want to have Nebuchadnezzar running around with, with straggly hair and, and, and animal talons for seven years or so. I mean, because that just took them right out of power. They had to work with the net. But see, they still, the kingdom is the Lord. When I t- teach about um, spiritual protocratic, I give you all of those passages so you know. So you can sit there and say, well, I just know God taught me himself. He can teach you this, so why not? He didn't teach you what, I'm, what I've been saying, so why not? If you're self-taught. Because, see, if you're going to be self-taught, you come to God's school. And when you don't come to his school, he comes into your classroom, your closet, your lesson plans are his. So you have to recognize that God wants to teach this, and he's given it to me to teach it. And if you're interested in bumping up your, your prophetic power, your apostleship, then you need to enroll in Christ University. Because this is not yet highly proliferated knowledge in the body of Christ, let alone the world. But it should be because of this knowledge that makes you strong. It's this knowledge that gives you your confidence, that gives you that, that sense of purpose. It's this knowledge that gives you direction and gives you that force. The mentality of Christ becomes your ministry, becomes your mantleship. And it becomes your own calling and purpose in the land. So, did you want to start? This is what prophets taught. This is what prophets did to strengthen the people. And this is what the apostles kept saying that caused people to be afraid to come near them and cause Ananias and Sapphire to lay down and die. Go for it. Okay, well. I'm going to call this before the Garden 2.0 today. I think what five, five,
Um, you like them? Yeah. Why do you think that's uh, Because we're, we are in that, we're in the thick of that right now. You, you talked about, I, I love that discussion of just watching the pastor mutate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the fact that we are, we're impressed by that pastor's basically soul destruction. Mm-hmm. And to, to, to just prove how far that really goes, um, you know, we've been having that discussion of all of these worship leaders that defecting, quote-unquote, leaving Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, you watch the progression of the worldliness of even the worship leaders. You know, mm-hmm. that so much so that it became a joke how skinny are the pants of your worship leader, how mm-hmm. they look. You know, that became a big running joke. Um, but I, I just felt like that really struck me today because I feel like you're just speaking so into that. Oh, yeah. just, we're deep in the thick of that right now, especially with young adults, you know, that generation, I deal with those young millennials, 25 to 35, that age, um, how intoxicated we are with, with how culturized our pastors are. We want to be mm-hmm. with pastors that are very culturized. We want to be with pastors that are tatted. We want to be with pastors that, that are very oh, trendy. Mm-hmm. We want to be with pastors who talk openly about sex and sexual lewdness in the pulpit. We want to be, mm-hmm. I mean, this is where we are. You know, we were drawn to that, you know, and we're, and, and that millennial generation, those young adults in their early 30s, really believing that they're just, their, their parents' generation got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that this is a powerful message for millennials today. Um, this has just got to be proliferated. I've shared it on my page. You've got to share this because we have a misconception of where God is taking the church in the future. This is the message of the future. I said that a couple weeks ago when I was quoting it again. This is the message of where God's going in his future. No one's saying this, but I thought this was really, that was really powerful. Mm-hmm. We touched on that today because we are so mesmerized by pastors not looking like anything we've ever had before, mm-hmm. that we're missing what pulled them out and what they sold themselves out to. So I, just, I thought that was really powerful today. Well, I'm glad to hear you say it. You know what? If you say, but well, I, I don't know if I agree with that. But see, I'm going to go on the limb. Y'all forgive Dr. Price. And just write, Dr. Price, we're forgiving you, but we thank you for loving us enough to, to tell the truth, but also to help us connect with this, this revelation in this generation and in this era. We all remember Bishop Eddie Long. Bishop Eddie Long came out with the clergy, and I mean, he was it, and God promoted him in that guard. He was the bishop. God made him global. God made him worldwide, and he had a work. I'm telling you, Bishop the preach. Next thing we know, Bishop is in a suit. Yes. Not preaching and firing. He's become adaptive to the appetites of his congregation. So he's had appetite and adaptation. Well, he's adapted. Next time we see Brother Bill, Brother uh, Bishop, he's in a muscle shirt, tight pants. Not long after that, scandal hit. Because we find out who those pants and who that shirt was appealing to. Scandal hit. This is today. We're not talking about it back in, in, in Old Testament times. So next thing you know, he is strutting, flexing muscles. He's in the gym. He's just this every time you turn around. And see, when you got, when you get ready to pump up the flesh, it's because you pumped up your flesh. Next thing we know, now he looks huge. I mean, God made him larger than life, but he started, um, now he is, he, he's gone, to, he's flexing the flesh. 
and he's in full flesh flexation. It's all about humanity. It's all about your appetite. It's all about what you like. It's all about what satisfies you. It is not about Jesus. Jesus is love. He'll forgive anything you do. And you know what? He will. But what will be the cost of that forgiveness? Because we don't talk about the cost of God's forgiveness. Woo! Because God, you know, God said, I'm a creditor. You got to pay me. The wages of sin is. So he was that next thing we know. We got a scandal, and he's got disease. And, all, and the world was praying, and they're all praying for the old bishop to come back. But God, he was so good to you in the beginning. But see, Ezekiel 33 says, but when you turn, I'm done. And I don't remember what he looked like. Just like he threw me away, I threw that memory away. We act like the only thing that God puts in to the, the sea of forgetfulness is our sin. But I want you to understand, God puts everything tied to that sin, even the origin in, in there as well. So, and so we're waiting, and he's praying. I mean, saints are praying all over the place. Lord, he's a good God. He's this and that. And God's like, no, he's not. He was good. He was once mine, but he pulled an atom on me. Ah! Oh! See, your pastor is pulling an atom on Christ. You act like Jesus, and this is his first rodeo, his first go-around with defective preachers and defective men and deceived women. So he said, no. He said, he pulled an atom on me. And as I kicked Adam out of my garden after I clothed him in his uh, his attire of failure, (laughs) because God having to kill an innocent animal to cover Adam's sin was a statement, the eternal indictment on his failure. He failed his maker. And so God kicked him out. And after that, God said, let Satan take care of you. You don't hear what happened with God and Adam again. You hear Abel. Thanks. So we looked at this is this generation. Now they said, well, you know, his church is big. His church is big, but those who are deceived. So Adam got kicked out. No, Adam got kicked out with the same deceived people in his firm. But see, now, because the world is larger and Adam has reproduced himself, they are the same firm. And we prayed. And when they danced, came around, and I looked at them on Facebook, they really didn't do them a favor. They shouldn't have done that. People would have kept a better memory in their mind. But then we got that same memory with the, the woman, which is this crying woman. We got the same memory with her. And so you're like, God's going to do it. God is not going to do it because Satan has a right to kill you. God has a duty to give you life, but life, but Satan has a right to kill you. He bought that right. And when you sign your blood covenant and you allow him to install his, his own fallen spirits in your vessel, they own you. And, and the devil will tell you, oh, no, you signed off on this. I'm going to do what I want to do. And they can make you an addict. They can make you a pervert. They have a right to read. Literally, I want you to lean in. They have a right to invent themselves and embody their reinvention in your flesh. That is their right. You keep thinking that, well, mm-hmm. no, Paul and I talked about it. Don't turn back to devils now because, you know, we know this. See, the angels, God's creation knows that realm. But Satan takes advantage of your two things, your naivety and your refusal to believe. Mm. 
For you've not received a love of the truth. So God has turned you over to strong delusion. And you think delusion is some sort of psychological issue? No, it isn't. He's turning you over to the devils of delusion. That's what he's talking about. And, and we have to tell you, I know that this isn't popular. I know that it's, it's hurtful. I know, but uh, nobody offended but your devil. Because he's shaking because you're getting ready to start in notice. That's right. He can see the eviction notice on the door. You got 20 minutes to vacate. Because I'm telling you, when we reproduce this as many times as God has told us, you're going to give me five million. I'm going to take five million, but I'm going for three billion. I'm a, yes, I am. We're taking this. And you know what? Devils will be homeless. And homeless devils have got to go back to the pit or to dry places. That's where they are seeking. See, we've been talking. I don't talk to you theologically. I talk to you legally. Lawfully. Legitimately. See, I talk to you regally because this is the royal word of God. See, we've been listening to the evangelical word of God, and that's nice. We need to get you saved. We need to come on here, get saved. Get off the sin. But I want you to understand. But you come when you get saved, you come under a monarch. My God. You don't come under a democracy. You come under a monarch. You don't even come under a republic. You come under a monarchy. Because you were put back in the body that begot you. And you are obligated to that body. When a person has a heart transplant, liver transplant, while they may have to do all of those anti-rejection things, that organ no longer comes under the domain of the giver. That organ becomes the domain and the, of the person who receives it, that transplanting, and that organ must function according to the body of it. And that's why the transplant hosts go through stringent testing mm-hmm. to prove that they're going to be a good custodian of what they just received. Isn't that mm-hmm. Just because you need one desperately doesn't mean you get one. No, like they're not going to give it to a person who is an addict. Because we are, we're not going to let you kill two organs. Come on here, right? We're not going to let you kill three. But think about it. That liver, that kidney, that heart is no longer subject to the DNA codes of the body that donated it. And neither are we. We must conform to the new body that we are installed in. And I remember, I stood off tonight. Stop it. Okay, successorship. Yes. You know, one of my hot buttons. Your hot button. Definitely a hot button. And I love how you said this, your successor believes the way you do. And you have taught us from day one, I am not impressed with how you stand up and preach and teach and prophesy if you don't keep my standards. Hmm. And not just do what I do, but believe the way I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so interesting because when of how much Scripture talks about the thoughts, the intent, your heart, your yep. motives, and all of that, and, and the fruit, but also dealing with all of that and how you really can't cross over in Christ 
until you do believe what he believed for the reasons that he believed it. Thank you. Thank you. And we, you know, we don't have the defenders of the faith the way we used to because of our belief system changing. Mm. And with it, but that coincides with all of these translations and interpretations, really, and misinterpretations of Scripture. Yep. To produce all these different streams of belief systems. Well, you know, we say put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We say we have the mind of Christ, but you don't. You may have the mind of Christ, but you have the mentality of this world. Ah. And so you're... You are literally mindful of the world. What did God say to Peter? He said, but you are, you favor not. See, God wants you to favor his way. That's why I keep using the term appetite. Because you have the mind of this, you, you, your mindset of this world. You have the mind of those of margin, marginal Christianity. You know, marginalism is your mandate. Because you if you want to stay on the margin just in case it doesn't work out, and you can always say, yeah, well, I was just testing, and I, I never believed in it. But, you know, I was just trying it out. See, that's the mind. But when you are, God said about Abraham, he said, shall I hide what I am about to do from Abraham, seeing as he is going to be my heir, and he will teach his sons about me. Yeah. See, God knew that Abraham was a faithful convert, but that he is also thoroughly converted and conformed. In that era, it was difficult because everyone walked in the name of their God. And so when you say that, and then he comes down the line and Jesus spends more time telling you how to become his mental as well as spiritual and verbal convert. Because he's saying, my mind should discipline you. You should not allow the disciplines of the world to keep you from me. He said, what Peter said, man ought, men ought to obey God and not man. I mean, over and over again. So when God chooses a leader to be at the top of his realm, they think, act, walk, talk like Jesus. They're not up there talking about we're only human and we are sinners saved by grace and all of that because you don't sit in the king's presence talking about his, his salvation didn't work. It didn't take. <laughs> you know, you're not coming in God's presence like that. You know, now you come in his lower strata. I'm not talking about lower strata. I'm talking about where his own eternal population not only re- resides but have no problem with his way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We, we've forgotten. We, we, we've just cast off the way. We're dancing around the truth, and we are literally perverting his life. Whether we intend to or not, that's neither here nor there. So you're right. So now I'm, I'm on a successor. And, and so I listen to my people. And you know what? I listen to how many times they have a problem with me. I don't just listen to their praise. I listen to their issues. So how would somebody know? If, since we're talking about you, okay, since you were talking about you, how would or someone know if they had an issue with their leader, even though they're like, no, I mean, I love them, I'm supportive of them, I'm here with them, but truly they have issues. Well, love and loyalty are not kissing cousins or brother and sister. They should be brother and sister, but we have them as kissing cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Today I'm loyal because it pays off. So what I've learned is loyalty because there are, you know, obedience has the people who must be brought under. So if I have to keep bringing you under, 
you're not flourishing. Your 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 inner fountain has not is not flourishing. Me, your 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 inner water of life, fluids of life are still favoring you and you're wet. So when you keep doing that, I know that the minute I put you in power, you're gonna change my organization into what you've always wanted. That's number one. Number two, I test. I'm gonna give you various tests. And those tests are going to tell me what you believe. So every time you turn around, you're someplace else. You're not with me. I know you're not. You don't believe it. You still have belief issues. You have conversion issues. You have, you know, and then there's a whole value system. If I, every time I give you something, you do what I ask you to do your way without even giving credence to mine, that's a problem. Because that means that your way, you know, like Jesus, I'm the way, truth, and life. So that means your way takes precedence over what I'm saying. I listen to every time you have a problem. I listen to how you respond to criticism. If all you do is bring me the people who have a problem with me, because that's normal. Lucifer had a problem. He didn't even have a reason. But if all you can tell me is about all the people who are having problems and all the people who are bumping and all you can bring is letting me know that and telling me how I must change, 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 change to please the people, I know I can't trust you with my seat. I can't trust you with what I've built. I just can't. And I'm not going to. So I'm not in love with the fact that you are you prophesying and whatnot because they'll tell you I'm really encouraging. But that doesn't mean I'm, in, I'm convinced. <laughs> 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 I may not be as persuaded as you think, because people think I'm naive, especially with my folks, because I don't, I don't complain. I don't criticize you. I give you time to grow. But when I make up my mind, I'm done. And I will tell you, this is the last time we're going around with this. Now, that could take me five years or 20 years. Now, don't go. But, but your successor has got to be you in a younger and a more... Um, in a younger form, in a more, uh, what do you call it, unwounded, un, what do you call the word I'm saying, more converted form. For example, Joshua, did, he did what Moses did. So your successor should be doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Not having meetings like Adonijah waiting for you to die. Oh, my God. You understand that Adonijah had his own coronation and everything because he did. And so your successor is having, you know, I'm thinking this is a high conversation, one that I usually keep for roundtables and closed sessions. But let me just say this. Your successor is running around having secret mist meetings, campaigning like Absalom, because they know that as soon as that that leader dies, it's, it's in their hands to change things. When Eli was too old to do it, his sons changed it. When they got in power, they changed it. So you have to understand what they're doing. They're having meetings. They're having conversations. You notice that your loyalists are more and more being drawn to them. You notice that they are always gathering people around them. They're always having dinner with them. They don't want to have dinner with you. They don't want to have, they don't want the people to stay connected to you. See, these are real, real strategic moves that should be indicators. So and when and when your your people have been faithful to you, start talking about that leader more than you, and you are still vibrant. Then you need to understand something underhanded is happening. Because that means that they're being courted and converted. 
by the person who feels they're going to take over, and they're letting them know, when I'm in this Madrid, when I'm in power, when, when this happens, well, as soon as so-and-so, well, you know he's on life support, well, I've already set up this, so what do you think you're going to do? How are you going to handle it? And they're planning for your demise and not for your institution to survive <laughs> or thrive. So I'm one of those people that that's not who I am, that's not what I do, because I, I, I want to play, I want to work with who Jesus said, because this man is watching these meetings. He's listening to these sessions. He's watching these people's hearts. He's listening to them. So when I call, when I say, um, um, let us all get together and do something, and you always someplace else, that tells me that you're not a buy-in. Mm-hmm. You're just a feeling. <laughs> you're always coming late and leaving early. You're a feeling. You're a placeholder. And a lot of times when you give leaders uh, your, your, your potential successors position, watch whether they hold the place and how they hold that place. So I have, I mean, I have a whole system. We do the whole thing. I promise you. We do the entire thing. But they'll tell you, and they'll tell you, when I tell you a person is defective, I know. I'm telling you, I will say three years in advance, four years in advance, ten years. Ten years. I will say, this person, watch me, give them so-and-so time, they're gone. And you know why? Because self is too important. And you also pinpoint which seduction will take them out. Yeah, because they'll be showing. They'll say, no, as soon as these things come in place in their life, they're gone. Yep. And honey, for women, it's always a boyfriend and a potential hood. Uh, always. Satan knows he can send in the men and he can send in the women to the person who is play of you to fill in. So you're just standing in until what you want happens. And you think your leader doesn't see that. Every time I turn around, you talk about a husband, you talk about a wife, you talk about we got children, you talk about all of that, then that's fine. You're a domestic. Do that. <laughs> <laughs>
No, I'm saying no. True Christians? I mean, because I've talked to them all over the world. It's not even just here in America. I've talked to them and minister, and they can't take it. And you know why? Because they were literally, they were fed on Jesus Christ. They grazed on Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and another voice they will not follow. So if you are following the, uh, the voice of a trendy pastor in heaven's registry, you have been marked. As a non-Christian occupier in his body. You don't belong to him. He said that. He said, I'm going to say I never knew you. Because there's no way in the world you can, you can go to a church that's playing, beach, throwing beach balls, having a, a secular party and all of that on this man's altar and say, but I love Jesus. You don't love Jesus. You love the idea of Jesus. But your preference is that that Jesus be false? I say it's time for the offering. <laughs> it's time for the offering. So Rachel's going to put on the screen for you all. The testing is the two zero three six six two five. Did I get that right? Yes. All right. Hey, I remember the new number. All right, so the new text to give, 918-203-6625. That's the new text to give. Again, 918-203-6625. You can also give via Cash App today. Y'all need to give an offering today. So do that. Give by Cash App. The handle is Dr. Paul Price. And then you can give paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. Give an offering on this word today. It was powerful. Uh, we need to sow into this. We want to give you guys a moment to do that. Again, those are those three ways, and they're online for you on the screen. If you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, you may not have them on the screen. So I'm going to say them one more time. Text to give 918-203-6625 for YouTube. Um, and then the, the cash app, the handle, of course, you know the dollar sign. If you're doing cash app, Dr. Paula Price, you know spaces, paypal.me slash Dr. Paula Price. Okay, so two things I want to tell you. The first thing I want to say is I need you all to war for my war check. The enemy has been capping me and, and, and literally confining me because of a war chest. And I need you all to help me build a war chest because the devil does not want this out because his cultures, his institutions, his communities rely on the darkness that he has disseminated and the darkness that he has spread and has used to condition the people to walk and to appreciate and to defend his gross darkness. See, when you withhold, you're defending his darkness. And this is, this is a real thing. Now, I'm not giving you anything but the word of Christ. I'm not giving you anything but the word to save your soul. I'm not giving you anything but the constitution of the eternal kingdom that you say you want to spend forever. But I need you to help me build this war chest. I need you to go and say, without the Christ, I can't really give you a whole lot. Then go and raise funds as a mission, and whatever, but you need, I need you to help me, because this devil is very serious about, he can't hold me back on my strength, he cannot hold me back on my knowledge, he cannot hold me back on my courage, he cannot hold me back on the truth, he can't even hold me back on the power, but he can in the treasure. And I need you all to be the one to help me push back this darkness and to finance this work and not just say, well, I'm with you, Dr. Price. There are a lot of you out there who are sitting on literally tens of thousands of dollars a month. I gave to this and I gave to that. Jesus gave his life to you and gives you breath every day. And you know what? 
You fall and he takes you back. You mess up, he still gives you grace. Your kid goes to jail, he still gives them out. If you don't have anything but a thank you Jesus seed, if you don't have anything but a God that you back me, so I'm backing you, see, then I'm asking you to do that. That's one thing. The second thing I'd like to say is that tomorrow night, if you're in the Tulsa area, we're having a prophet's night of intercession and prayer. Yes. Prayer worship and intercession. So if you're a prophet or prophetic person in the Tulsa area, you want to get back online with God, you want to get a text that brings you back online with God, you want to reach, get back into your place, you want to purge some old stuff. Maybe some of the things that I've been preaching over these last several weeks have begun to strip away the old, have begun to peel off the uncleanness that was forced on you. Hey, join us tomorrow night at the Congregation of the Mighty where God says, Address, please, everybody, put up the address. 12816 South Memorial Drive. 12816 South Memorial Drive, Bixby, Oklahoma. You're going to love it. I'm going, because I'm pulling prophets back into God's service, so I'm going to love it. I'm pulling them back in. We got some great stuff for you on God. The king has need of you. So press your way. Do not press your way and just say, well, I hope it works. No, come believing. Come expecting. Come with a demand on the Holy Ghost. Come with a demand on us. We're well able. God bless you. See you tomorrow night if you're in the Tulsa area and until otherwise, Sunday, at the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands. Amen. And 10 a.m. Love you much. God bless. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.